Welcome to OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Craig. Thank you, Yvonne. I'm Craig. I am a compulsive overeater and a 100-pounder. Hello. You know what I love about this, um, this program is really overwhelming. The gentleman that took the 30-day chip, go to talk to him. He's got more to say than I do. You know, it's honesty, it's willingness, it's open-mindedness, it's taking direction. Done. I mean, it's so simple. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, and congratulations. Um, I'm really humbled. It's it's um, quite quite a path. Um, I got here in 1988, and my first abstinence date was 11-8-88. So I thought that is so cool, and I kept it for 11 years. I got hip slick and cool, and went out. I was out for I don't know how long. Came back, got five years. Out, or two years. And finally, uh, three years ago, a little over three years ago. I came back and I said, I don't know how to do it. Help me. What do I do? So, you know, by the grace of God. So when I got here in 88, I was 199. I knew I was fat and I knew I was obese. So I got down to 167, which is really not a good weight for me. And I got up to 272 was my last measured weight. Okay. So uh, that is a compulsive overeater out of control. So I'm now maintaining a 90-pound weight loss. So I went from what I thought was fat to really skinny on a diet to morbidly obese. I never thought I was morbidly obese. I was morbidly obese. I was dying, you know. So, um, you know, it's funny. When I speak in a meeting, it's like, what am I going to talk about? I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. But what I want to keep it to is, you know, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now to the best of my ability. And what I've learned here that I can share, and anything I say, nothing is written except in my inventory, and it's really unlikely any of you are going to read it. (laughs) So um, you don't get to. But um, it's funny. One of my best friends in program, his fifth step is in my garage. And I know where it is. I'm never going to read it. He knows where it is. It's it's, it's because of the trust. It's the trust that we learn. So... um, the first word of the big book after the doctor's opinion and all that is we. So uh, I want to welcome the newcomers. I want to welcome those who've returned. I know how hard it was to walk in, and I know how hard it was to return. It was much harder to return. Much harder, and I'm not alone. Yeah. It's a group of guys I hang out with. It's my little core group. And out of maybe 15 of us, one has stayed in 15 years. All of us went out. It's a nasty disease. It's a really ugly disease. And for me, it's the same as the other one with the A. I don't know if we can talk about that in this group. Uh, Okay, it's the same as alcohol for me. If you drink, you die. And if you take your tongue, I'm not an alcoholic, but I just, this is what I want. If I take my tongue and and I'm an alcoholic and I put it in scotch, I'm not sober. So if I have my bottom line abstinent foods, and I have a little extra or something, or I did it, I'm out. I don't slip. 
I don't slip. It talks about if you're going from California to New York, and you, you, know, you pop a tire, you go back to California. I start over, and that's what I had to do. And I proved it because I gained, you know, whatever it was, back, 70 pounds, plus or minus. So um, I'm eternally grateful. Um, so the stress, the, the, the focus is on the newcomer. You're in the best place you can be. We. I can't do it alone. If you can do it alone, God bless you. It says in the book, book, if you're an alcoholic and you can go out and drink like a gentleman or a lady, our hats are off to you. Heaven knows how long we've hard, whatever, you know what I mean. We've tried hard. I couldn't do it. And um, when I got back three years ago, um, I was losing my business. I was physically, emotionally, and spiritually, you know, I was really a big guy. I was shut down, I was mean, I was happy. I was always smiling, you know, but inside I was miserable and upset and alone and, you know, and all these things. So um, I pulled into the garage in a little tiny sports car. Not good when you're that big. It's just not. That's demoralization, you know. And, um, and it was my little extra car that was my play car, and I couldn't keep it because I couldn't afford it because I was losing my business, because I was binging, because I wasn't getting along with people, because I wasn't working down the spiral. It's not just the body, it's our lives. So, um, and it was actually, I think, it might have been better when I got here in 88. I never even thought of that. It was really bad. And the beauty is today, if I look at my life today versus back then, it's 180 degrees different. 180 degrees. And, you know, I could sit here and, and quote the big book. I will a little bit, not to bore you. But, um, you know, there's the doctor's opinion. So here's this guy that's an intellectual. He's a doctor. He's a well-known doctor. And he says, and he writes, you know, gives us permission to publish. I don't know what these people are doing. I don't get it. I'm scientific. They, it's a spiritual program. I don't understand spirituality. Whatever they're doing, don't question it. Listen to them. So you got two guys. One guy's talking to another guy, and he talks to the next, and, he's, and, and, you know, this is what I've done. You may want to give it a try. And I'm alive now, and I was killing myself, you know? So talk to this guy, then talk to that guy, and that's what's carried on over the years. And, um... It's a serious disease, and I have to stress that. The other part that's really cool is we are not a glum lot. It says that in the book. I'm really happy now, but I'm not happy. I'm like, you know, I was with my family last night, and I now look at my family as a Petri dish. And it's really kind of funny. I walked into the house, and I went, they're a really interesting project. You know, this is dysfunction. And if you can show me a family that's functional, like the perfect family, who knows? You know, the, the title is dysfunctional. But... I, come, I cannot blame my disease. I have a disease the same as cancer, the same as, you know, alcoholism. Uh, in, in this society, to the best of my knowledge, people don't look at this as a disease. You know, it's just, well, she can stop drinking. He should stop drinking. He's losing. But, you know, oh, he should just lose some weight. It's not uncommon. I tried really, really hard. And, uh, you know, what I say is my own opinion. As I said, thank you, God. Um, in my old abstinence with quotes, I would have five, six bagels a day, and that was normal. I was abstinent. For me, that's not abstinent. If you, if, you know, everybody's food plan is different, thank God. But for me, that didn't work. 
So, jumping around, but that's what I do. Um, today my food plan is completely different. Let me get to that. Let me talk about a little about what it was like. You know, upper middle class Jewish kid in the valley, perfect house, perfect cars, everything was great. Now, you know, it looked great. And, uh, you know, quote, functional family. But uh, I, I just realized I was a latchkey kid. So I came home, what did I eat? I, Freudian, what did I do? I ate. Yeah, yeah, I ate. And uh, when I started program, one of my sponsors, one of my first meetings, they said, you know, abstinence, sponsor, big book, book readings. I was like, I didn't know what it was. And I'll just keep coming back. But, but, just keep coming back. But whatever, just keep coming back. So I looked at this guy, and I whispered to him in a meeting. Or he did, I'm like, do you want to be my sponsor? He goes, yeah, do you want to be mine? I said, okay. We didn't know. And they said, just keep coming back. So I eventually asked this woman to be my sponsor. And one of the first things she did is she said, write a history of your compulsive overeating. And I was like, you know, what is that? And when I got pen to paper, in those days it was pen to paper. Um, it isn't anymore for me. Um, I looked at what I ate, how I ate it, the combinations, when, where, how, the hiding. It's not normal behavior for me. And, you know, I always thought I was a fat kid. I was. And then I looked at myself when I was like 15 to 18, and I looked anorexic. But I knew I was fat, but I wasn't. So, what I ate and how I ate it was absolutely insane. So, um, that's what it was like. Um, I can't blame my parents. I did. I blame them for everything. I blame my parents, my sisters, society. Wah, 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 wah. And after all these years and a heck of a lot of work, I've realized it's a disease. And the only, it's a spiritual malady. And my best friend, thank you God, is like 15 months sober. And um, he was dead twice. Kids found him, took him to the emergency. It didn't matter. I got to 275, and my mom, probably about 275, and my mom, who I love dearly, um, took a long time. A lot of work. A lot of work. A lot of work. And, you know, she said to me, she goes, honey, I tried so hard, and then I realized I couldn't do anything. Right. She couldn't do anything. I couldn't do it alone. I had to turn to a higher power. How do I find higher power? Going to you. And then to you, I, I, I haven't really received messages. Some people do. God bless them. I haven't. I have to go to the people. So getting back to what it was like, um, perfect little school. Best little boy in the world. I was perfect. Perfect to my parents. Perfect in school. Great grades. And, uh, you know, perfect kid. And I was fine. Came from a fine family. We all smiled. Even in pictures. It's hysterical. We all had exactly the same smile. None of us have had plastic surgery. So it's not like we went and said, here, do us the same. And um, we, just, we just do it, you know. And my dad didn't have it. It was interesting. But um, so what happened was I, um, I'll fast forward. I was 27 years. What it was like was what it was like. It sucked. It was really bad, and whether you're a, I, you know, I have a friend who identifies herself as a um, drug addict, alcoholic, vomiter, and I used to hear that and do this. This is a foul, mean disease, what it did to my body, what it does to others. It's a really bad disease. So, um, I used to live in a lot of drama, 
there's still some left. Those who know me will acknowledge that. But I was 27 years old, and I was talking to a friend. I said, I really need to go to therapy. My life is terrible. And I said, but I can't afford it. That was my line. Because I was so, my life was so out of control, whether I had money or I didn't. You know, once again, whether I learned it or not from my parents, it doesn't matter. That's what it was like. I said, I can't afford it. She goes, my mom, uh, what she said, my mom's friend's a therapist and she doesn't take money. There's something else that she takes. I'm like, okay. Well, I didn't know. I guess I had a God before then, before I knew it. I walked into the room. What I found out was therapist, me, one-way mirror, a classroom, a class of students watching me. I was, you know, I was a little dribble. I don't know if I would do that today. No, I would, to go to any lengths. But so uh, this woman looked at me, and she said, uh, name three things you want to change in your life. Like one of the, it, She started with that. I'd been to a lot of therapists, and I said, hmm, my job, I want a relationship, and my weight. Which one do you think you could start today? I want my weight. That just came out of me. She goes, okay, here's a schedule of Overeaters Anonymous. This is how I live my life, and you may want to try it. And just put it there. Didn't push it on me. It was a... You know, this is what I've done. So I, my German blood, my shoulders, I said, I'm not an alcoholic. Or no, I said, what's alcohol? Oh, what is this? She goes, well, it's like alcoholics with alcohol. And I said, I'm not an alcoholic. She goes, well, I'm not either. But my husband is, and he's recovering 30 years. He's sober, and I do the exact same thing with food. And you may want to give it a try. And then we went on to something else, and I kept wanting to ask more questions, but that was therapy. That wasn't a meeting. So she... So she, uh, we moved on. Fine. Next night, I went to La Cienega Park, and a really cute, small, anorexic, bulimic woman meet me, uh, came up to me. I was a newcomer, and she was the greeter, and she hugged me, and she goes, Welcome, we love you. I'm like, Oh, I'm out of here. <laughs> I am out of here. And it was a bulimic, anorexic meeting. I really didn't even know what it was. I kind of knew what anorexia I'd heard about it. And there was one big guy in the room. Thank God he was there. Because I looked and was like, and I went over and talked to him. I didn't know anything about it. And um, they said, just go to another meeting. And I did. And then I went to a big book study. I'll never forget. And there was this little room, the old drug and alcohol center in West Hollywood, up, up, on, up off of... Uh, Oh, sorry, I was going to do a little dance. Um, so anyways, this book is going around, and it comes to me, and I said to Lit, what do I do? She goes, read a paragraph and pass. So I didn't know any of this stuff. This was so foreign to me, as foreign as how do I live my life. And today I live it as a, a I call my abstinence sobriety. It's sober eating, it's sober living. Uh, I cannot practice this OA light, in all my opinion. As I said, my food is, is tight. It is what I commit to. No, I can get to some specifics. Um, so I started a program. Went to meetings. Started a diet. Nobody else knew what I was eating. I didn't know what the steps were. I didn't work the steps. I just ate, you know, three carrots and two peas a day. And I call it, I got it, I... I all right, we're recording. I, I went to, I got to my Speedo weight. Oh, oh, yeah. Mmm. Uh, no, not good. Trust me. I don't care what it is. And um, for like a minute, I started going back up because I didn't know, as I said, the steps. And the, I didn't know what any of this stuff was. And I kept going back. And uh, finally, I got a sponsor and I got another sponsor and another sponsor and life was better. But 
what really happened, the meat, the crux of the program happened to me a little over three years ago. And that's what I want to focus on because um, it's the steps. Um, so the first word is we. Okay. So then, you know, the steps. Be specific. First one of the steps. Okay. We admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. So to me, for me to you, I am powerless over food. Okay. Kind of get that. Got big, got small, got miserable. But physically, I got really big. Okay. All right, maybe I don't have any power over it, but my life had become unmanageable. Eh, wasn't willing to do that one. You know, my life is fine. I'm fine. I own a business. I'm different than you guys. Didn't really have any money in the bank. Didn't have a relationship. Didn't have intimacy. Didn't have emotional balance. But my life is fine. No. Eventually, I got to my life became unmanageable. Um, so when I admitted I was powerless over food, I knew I needed to get serious or I would die. And I had been dying, you know. Uh, I knew. So all of a sudden there's this guy in the program. You know, I went through life. It was really funny as a kid. There's certain things you remember. And there was a book amidst my father's magazines that he shouldn't read in the private drawer in the dresser. And, of course, I found it. And it was like magazine, magazine. Anger, book on anger, magazine, magazine. We hide our anger. It's pretty literate. It's pretty, it's like, okay, we hide our anger, so it's fine, everything's fine. So I, I see this guy in the program, and he was the angriest man I had, well, second angriest, I had ever seen in program. And um, it was like, would you be my sponsor? And then I said to myself, what did you, you don't even like this guy. You don't relate to this guy. He scares you. And uh, he, ironically, he had been out, came back in. Almost the same top weight. Then he went to, you know, our stories are so similar. Our outside lives are so different. But we are, this is that, we're all the same. You know, I am suffering from a spiritual malady that takes, you know, for me, it takes it out with food and body and all that other things that happened to us. And um, so I asked him to be my sponsor. Had never even met the guy. I just heard him barking at meetings and talking about how angry he was. So I, in, inside I knew, it talks about we do not have the dubious luxury of anger. And I, that always bothered me because for me, I can't say everything is fine. I have to get to anger, but not, if I'm angry at something, I don't want to hit a wall. I'm not going to yell at you. It's like I have to get to the roots, the causes, whatever the verbiage is. So I asked him to be my sponsor. Shortly after that, okay, his grand sponsor came in when I was really hips looking cool. And I was at a great weight. And I was running my business and everything was great. Now, I'm out and this guy's got like 12 years. His grand sponsor, my sponsor, me. So it's like, don't burn bridges. You never know who you're going to run into in life. Same as, you know? So I um, started sponsoring him. He does not sponsor me as I think I should be sponsored. I should be doing my fourth step differently. I should be doing my, you know, this is what's worked for him and his sponsor and his sponsor and his sponsor. And there's a lot of uh, abstinence in there. So I asked him to be my sponsor. Um, he told me what to do. He has never said, you must do this. What he At the beginning, I was like, you don't tell me to do anything. You don't talk a lot. And I'll write, 
I'll write like this. I wrote like this about this meeting today. I was having feelings. I didn't eat over them. So I wrote this, and he said, enjoy Brentwood. So what he's taught me to do is to cut the drama in my life. I hated it. Hated it, because there's no, like, really? Really? Gossip? No. So what he tells me to do is, he said, do you want to know what I do? Ask me. Ask me. And over the relationship of uh, two and a half, three years, whatever it's been, now I know. And it's just taken me, I mean, it took all this time, like a week ago, I looked at him and I said, thank you for your, your short answers. Thank you for your simplicity. And it took a long time because I wasn't used to it. So, um, here's the deal. Good, bad, scary, exciting, name the emotion, name the act. I don't have to eat over it today. That is a miracle, because I ate over everything. Everything. I don't have to do that today. Um, Why? I do the steps, I do the tools, five to seven, usually six to seven meetings a week. Normal for me sometimes, you know, if I'm going to go to two meetings, so you go to two meetings. It used to be a big deal. I have to. I have to stay alive. It's, ins- it's insulin for a diabetic for me. Um, I have sponsees. A guy asked me uh, if I could sponsor him, and he was a bulimic. And I said, I don't have any experience in it. He goes, can we give it a try? And I said, yeah. didn't work. And I said to him, I said, please find a bulimic. I don't have experience. Just go to somebody who has experience. I do not go to my grand sponsor with something in regards to having gone out and not wanting to go out again. Because he said, I haven't, I haven't broken my abstinence. Ask him. Ask him. You know. um, by the grace of God, I eat what is committed. And I don't eat more. I don't eat different. And if I do, if I'm like today, I was out, and all I did is I texted my sponsor, switching dinner and lunch. Did it matter? Did he have to know? No. If it's a secret, I don't care what it is. I'm out, and I'm not up here. I don't have the honor. Okay, this is what I want to start with: the gift, the gift that I've been given, the gift that we've all been given, whether we're abstinent, whether we're not, whether we're new, whether we're old, to be sitting in this room on a Saturday night. With people, I don't know a lot of people in here. It doesn't matter. We want to stay alive. I want to stay alive. And I think you do too. You wouldn't be, you know, sitting here nodding your heads at me. It's like, who is this guy? He's crazy. Um, Yeah, I am. And abstinent. Um, So, as I said, I jump around. That's my personality. Um, So, what I have realized is um, I use uh, text a lot. I was a really, really late text text comer. Um, text, email, talking, text, 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 email. I don't care what time it is, and when I give my name out, I say 24-7. Because if you're going to eat, I don't care what it is, where you're at, what you need to do, you know, call me. I was at a really stressful, in a really stressful business situation, probably one of the worst I had perhaps ever been into in, so I thought, until I talked to a mentor, and she's like, get over yourself. That's what I do. I talk to somebody who has experience, whether in or out of program, whatever the situation is. So I'm in Bloomingdale, Century City, 
took down some paper towel, put it on the floor in my dress slacks, hit my knees and prayed to God. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Just take it. I can't do this. And I'm going, okay, this is really weird. That's what I was taught to do. I have to take the action of saying, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't get, I don't get why any of this works. But as the doctor said in the doctor's opinion, I don't know why, I just do it. And I'm an intellectual guy. You know, I'm not a genius, but I'm an, I want to figure it out. Mm, I want to figure it out. So, um, I work with sponsees. I work with my sponsor. Um, when somebody's having a tough time, it's interesting, because there's a friend of mine that's having a really tough time. And um, I called her the other day, and I said, she's not in program. I wish she was. You know, that's what I want for her because I know it would fix her life. So I called her and said, you know what, i got to tell you something. I've learned that I really can't do these things alone. I have to be with others. I can't hold on. And what she said was, everybody does it differently. <coughs> right? I have the gift that I don't do anything alone. I just bought a car. And it's, I'm a car, I'm a caraholic. It's another program that hasn't started. I mean, it's absurd. It's re- that was my, that was another fix. That was a big addiction. It's not as big. And um, there's a friend in program who knows how to do that. I always thought I did the best. And I've realized I have lost so many thousands of dollars over the year. He knows how to do it. Met him in program. And this is a really specific thing that might be like outside. But all of these things made me want to eat. And I did. So I had this problem, got a car, it was wonderful, it was a lemon, what am I going to do? Oh my God, talking to a friend in programming, he goes, I'm a lemon law attorney, it's done. Turn it over, turned it over, done, got check, what do I do now? Called my friend, what do I do? There wasn't one thing that I did in this transaction that I didn't go to another person. In this case, mostly, it's usually people from program. The result was, The result was not the automobile. The result was what I did with grace, with dignity, not yelling at anyone at the dealer. I remember in 1997, I got a car. I was such an SOB. Um, put my feet on the desk and said, uh, excuse me, I need a phone. Business, business. I own a business. I didn't do that this time. What I did do was really funny. It was 7 o'clock. I'm at the dealership, and I looked at the guy and said, I just got to tell you something. I have to eat. He looked at me. He's like... Okay, they have a restaurant. I walked over, had my dinner, went back to the transaction. Okay? I was taught by my sponsor, don't be too hungry or you will eat. This is my, this is my experience. So, um, the real, I'm like, can I share this? Yeah. The real serenity is I'm really fastidious with my automobiles, like obnoxious. I have the car one day, I'm in a meeting, and I'm showing a sponsor, he gets in, he's like, wow, this is beautiful, this is great, bye, hug, get in the car. He'd stepped in something that you don't want in your car, okay? All over. Recovery. It, it, true spirituality, I was told, is if you're on the freeway and somebody cuts you off and you just smile, right? That's because, right? I looked at it and I went, hmm, took it to the car wash, got it taken care of, okay? That is serenity for me. I don't want to tell you what it would have been like before. So if I practice these principles in all all of my affairs, including dirty carpet, I stay abstinent. I picked up the phone. I called someone. 
I texted someone, we laughed, but this is all the stuff. So, what I want to uh, talk about now is what do I do on a daily basis? Um, I get up in the morning, I hit my knees, I say the first three steps. I am powerless over food, people, places, things, and a few other specifics, and my life is unmanageable. I cannot do this alone. Okay, I have come to believe that there is a power greater than myself who can restore me to sanity. I am insane in life and with my food. Me. Um, made a decision. I'm making a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. And what I realized years ago was if I say, uh, making a decision to turn my will and my life over to God, not to the care of God, I'm in my barca lounger eating with the TV and just going, all right, come on, give me. I have to do the footwork. I have to do the footwork because without the footwork, I do not stay abstinent and I do not have the beautiful life today that I have. And I don't have the honor of being with you all and sharing this gift. I don't know why we got the gift. I really don't. Whatever level, wherever you're at in the program, we're sitting in a chair and I have to stretch. I don't know why we got this thing. I mean, I don't know why I got it. I was very lucky and I'm blessed today. So, I worked the steps, talked to my sponsors, go to meetings. I covered all that already. I'm now on the seventh step again. I'm working it. And uh, once again, I don't think I should work it the way that I am, but it seems to be working for me. Um, i got to get back to the we, because um, when I look at my life today, my life is grand. You know, I went to the families, the family, went to two nights. Uh, I walked in, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? What can I do to help? Okay, okay. And I was at a friend on uh, Thanksgiving, and I was like, do you need any help washing the dishes? She had all this crystal, and, and you know, there was this much. I went, okay. And I did it. I, I felt better than she did. I got more out of it. You know, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? What can I do for you? And that is not my way. There, there's somebody, I was in the car, and this is honesty stuff. Somebody called me for a meeting to a mor- uh, tomorrow morning. I thought, first thought, I have to get up 15 minutes earlier. <laughs> That's my first thought. That is the insane, self-centered head. That's the different brain. Our brains are different. It talks about it in this book that I brought up here and wanted to read to you. No, you can read. Um, and there is a guy who lives up north. He's a young guy. He's such a gift in program. I think he's 20 and he's got like four years maintaining a 90-pound weight loss. He's a runner. He's in college, and he was a terrible. He was suicidal. So I was telling him this the other day. The same guy had called me. I'm like, rah, 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 and he paused. He goes, Craig, if I did not have people picking me up when I was in high school and didn't have a car, I doubt I'd be abstinent today. And this guy has a life beyond any of his dreams. Um... Now, here's the deal. Is my life wonderful and fantastic and great? Not all the time. Do I eat over it? No. No. And um, what I did was different. I, when I hit my, when I pulled into the garage that day, um, gosh, what was it? October 16th, I guess. Um, I had been 
to a chiropractor, nutritionist, for some other stuff. Only went for chiropractic, and I knew he was a nutritionist. So I hit my physical, emotional, and spiritual bottom, and I had never really known what it was. And I believe I, I hit it, God willing, I hit the bottom for today. Um, and I called him in the morning. I said, Ron, help. So I went, and I said, what do I eat? And he did some testing, and then I called a fr- fellow in program who was the guy that came in when I was up here, and then he's my grand sponsor. And I said, here's what happened. This guy told me what to eat, but it's not anybody in program. He said, whose plan is it? I said, it's Ron's. Fine, then why are you asking questions? But he's, eh, he's not in program. It's not your plan. So what happens now when there's a newcomer who has no idea... Or for me, it was after many years, I had no idea, like, what is a meal, how big is a meal, this and that. Go to somebody else. If they tell you something for one day, do it. It's not your plan. If you are powerless over food, oh, and your life is unmanageable, then ask somebody else how to do it for one day. So, what is my abstinence today? Um, I was going to say, the one thing is my, you know, I'm meeting a fellow for dinner after this. I went to a meeting this morning. Uh, every single day is involved with program people. And I won't say in all of my affairs. Um, my, my absence today is I eat three meals a day, two optional snacks. And um, if they were two snacks and I decided not to eat one, I would have broken my absence. That's just what I've experienced. Two optionals, because that's my sponsor's absence. He has two snacks that he has to eat. And if he doesn't, he breaks it, because he decided. And uh, some people go, you guys are crazy. Well, the hell do I want? So it's three meals a day, two optional snacks, one plate of food, unless there's a salad or a soup. That, that's, that's okay. One plate of food. Now, if I go to a particular salad place where you can get all you want, there are cucumber walls. You know? It, it, it's very... It, I, I mean, when I check out, the young lady looks at me, she's like... Wow, that's really beautiful. And one day she was kind of giving me a little attitude. This other one, I looked at her and I said, I used to be pushing 300 pounds. Have a great day. And I walked away and I went, you little snarky thing, you. But, uh, you know, don't touch my food. I forked my sister about two, uh, she's a picker. And she thought it was cute. And she went to pick something on my plate and I went, (laughs) she's like, that hurt. I said, good. You know, don't play with my food. I have, all, I think I've given my niece, like, a carrot. My mother asked for some, you know, it's like, but this is my food. <laughs> I know, it's really bad. Um, no, I'm not really mean. My food is my food. So here's the deal. Uh, three meals a day, two optional snacks. I do not um, have uh, white flour, sugar. So There's a lot of specific things I don't have. Now, when I looked at this guy and I said, he said, you're not allergic to white flour and sugar. I'm like, really? He goes, and you can eat, you know, you can eat a little of them. I said, okay, Ron, you don't get it. And we've talked about it. He doesn't get the food addiction. That's great. So I said to him, I said, I cannot eat those things. And he said, well, then please don't. I don't, right? Because he said on this food plant thing, he said, people are like 80 to 90%. You know, they keep to it. He goes, you're doing really well. I said, I have to do it 100 or... I was at a, sa- uh, a salad. I was at a. Um, I was at a salad. I was at a business function in. Uh, on a, I was on a business trip and I had a salad, and I'm eating and eating. And I went. There was corn in it. 
I do not eat corn. I am allergic to corn. So I went, excuse me, went outside, called, uh, I think it was a fellow or my sponsor. No, it was my grand sponsor. I said, here's what happened. I think I broke my abstinence. He goes, did you know it was there? No. Did you have an intent to eat it? No. Did you want to say to programming your fellows? I said, no. He said, then what's your problem? If you would have continued to eat it consciously, you would have broken your abstinence. So my abstinence is number one. That's it. It is number one. And I don't have to go this alone. I can't go this alone or I'd be out of here. I know it. Because, you know, if anybody, you know, I can, I can tell you what has worked for me. And I can also tell you what has not worked for me through a lot of experience. So um, I am honored. I am blessed. And um, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Oh, great. Who wants to ask a question? Yes, please. So sober living, sober eating, abstinence, food plan, how do they sort of intertwine, if you will? And what is your definition of sober eating? What is my definition of sober eating? Okay. My definition of sober eating is if there's a plate of food and I go, oh, let me just slice a cucumber, well, you know, or carrots. You know, there's, what, 38 calories in this many carrots. Oh, I'm just going to have some. That's not sober eating. It's not on the plate. It's not what I committed to. So sober eating is 100% clean eating. You know, is it perfect? Is it not perfect? If you want to use the word perfect, great. It's what I committed. But if I go off of one plate or if I say, I'm just going to have a little orange segment at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, that's a third snack. It's not going to hurt me. It's not sober eating. So I don't know if that answers your question. Great. Oh, yes. Ninth step amends and what I did with the family, how I did it with my family. Long time ago, um, back then, I'm now, again, on the seventh, um, with my dad, they were almost unsaid. Hated him. He hated me. He was a sick man mentally and a wonderful man. Took me into a program to realize that. So as he was dying, I knew he was dying. It was gone. And I kind of looked at him one day and said, you know, I got a lot to talk to you about it. He's like, it's okay. So I tried, and I said some things, but I don't know if that explains that. It wasn't a written amends with my mom. It was different. There's a lot of things. And there will still have to be financial amends made to her, whether she wants them or not, it's to me. You know, things I did as a kid, oh, I'll pay you for that, I'll pay you for that. Um, my sister, I still have work to do. Because I think, you know, amends have been made, but as the years go on, there are other things. I don't know if that makes any sense. Good, because it didn't to me. Good, good. Thank you. I, uh, did you have a, somebody? Oh, thank you. Thanks very much.